standing up in McKinney. This is According to Callus. This is episode 474. It is a Monday, the 14th of August, 2023. Today's episode will be entitled Convention Wisdom. Yes, that is a play of words, ladies and gentlemen. And if you missed the two previous episodes, I strongly suggest you go listen to State of Affairs Part 1. State of Affairs Part 2. This is the culmination of all that was laid out in those two episodes. The culmination by this is what the stink and the hubbub is all about, in my opinion. And when I say all, I don't mean all. I just mean it's the current focal point, which is, in my mind, kind of crazy. But before we get there, let me remind you, since I have forgotten the last several episodes, you can help me get the word out, build the audience, make a change. And quite frankly, build the show. Like, share, and subscribe. Do me a favor. Follow me on the social media. Comment. Do whatever you feel so motivated to do. We are on the YouTube. I go to MeWe, Gab, and Facebook. And I have a page and a group on Facebook. So feel free to join us there at According to Callus. And while I am on this stream... If you're feeling particularly motivated, you can rate and review this program. Every little bit helps. It's good that some of the people in power are just a tad bit nervous when little old me starts talking about what's going on. It's a good thing for you, I, and everybody else that is a liberty-orientated Republican, or just quite frankly, a liberty-orientated person, period. All right, so here we go. On with the show. So there was some level of angst, distrust, anger, whatever you want to call it, when I put forth the idea that, hey, if we're going to endorse candidates at the Collin County GOP in municipal races, perhaps it would be a good idea to listen to more than 20 people. Perhaps it would be a good idea if we did something more than just have whatever precinct chairs were present vote on it. So let's do a little math here. There's 1.2 million people that live in Collin County. There are anywhere from, let's say, a dozen to two dozen to four, well, I guess, let's just say 50 races that have more than one candidate in there that we might want to endorse on. So yes, that requires a lot of time, a lot of effort. There are forums, there are debates, there's discussions, and quite frankly, that's all well and good. We have a committee whose sole per well, I shouldn't say sole purpose, primary purpose, well, maybe not, they have three, three functions. They're supposed to recruit candidates, vet candidates, and recommend for endorsement candidates. Now, whether I have doubts or concerns about what they do in that committee, Yeah, maybe, but that's not relevant to what I was doing. In case you haven't been following along, I was on the leadership, i.e. the chairman of a election review committee to look at how can the Republican Party do better in these races where we're going to endorse in a municipal situation, i.e. non-partisan, no primaries. Now, ideally, in my perfect world, all races would be partisan. That would be far more honest. In my ideal perfect world, all races would be conducted in closed primaries, which is only Republicans are voting for Republicans and only Democrats are voting for Democrats. Only Libertarians are voting for Libertarians. 
but it's not a perfect world. We don't have a closed primary and they're not partisan. So being that that is the case, we have the sticky situation where we have candidates that are Mitt Romney, if you will, running against a Ted Cruz candidate, Phys- or philosophically speaking, right? We run the gamut as part of our team, as part of our um, group as the Republican Party. We have a relative scale of conservatism, a relative scale of moderatism, <laughs> moderatism, sorry. I look, ladies and gentlemen, I'm trying to have a little fun here. I just, I'm setting the stage here. I'm going to throw a little more detail and then I'm going to give you my vision of what a convention might look like if it was so done at the county level. So knowing that the Republican party and the precinct chairs are the most hardcore Republicans by and large in the county. Well, of course, Most of us are going to agree on a lot of stuff and we're going to want the most this, that, or the other thing to be our preferred candidate. But I'm here to tell you, we don't make up a majority by ourselves of the population of Collin County. In fact, in some cities, we probably are a flat out minority, even if we throw in all of our moderate brethren. Now, how did that happen? Well, there's a number of different ways that that may have occurred, but It's kind of irrelevant at this point because that ship has sailed. So we have to look at how can we come up with better candidates, build a consensus and move forward. Now, I will admit freely, I'm in the 90 to 95th percentile as far as liberty oriented Republicans. But I also know I'm about a one to two standard deviations beyond what the average Republican voter is. That doesn't hurt my feelings. It's not a problem. I feel no reason to impress upon others my opinions or demand that they follow suit with what I think. Now, I'm going to talk about my opinions. I'm going to talk about my positions because I wouldn't have them if I didn't think I was right, but I'm not going to toss somebody aside that has a principal disagreement or quite frankly, just doesn't feel as strongly about something. That is what you do in a political party. You build your party up and you get as many people on your team as you possibly can to go win races. So if you're leaving the primary decision-making process up to 20 people that then get approved by 150 people, can you see where you might have a problem here? Could you see where you might miss something here? Could you see where perhaps somebody's personal preference might outweigh what is best for the party or what is best for winning the election? Now, that's not to say there isn't merit and things can't be learned by the 20 people that do all this hard work. And I'll tell you first and foremost, it is a lot of hard work and I respect the work that they did, but the results state that no matter how much work that they did, it didn't get us the outcome we desired. So then we have to look at what else could we do or what should we do on top of that? Now, that doesn't mean they did a bad job. That doesn't mean that they even necessarily chose the worst candidate or the not as good candidate or the best candidate. It doesn't mean anything. It just means that we didn't win. So there are any number of things that could have occurred or might have occurred, but again, Each candidate has a responsibility to build their own support base, to raise their own money, to get their name out, 
to win their race. And if the Republican Party is going to put our endorsement on them, it has to be worth something. There has to be a value add. Likewise, if they continue to lose races, even with our endorsement, it degrades and devalues the endorsement that we're providing. So why would we want to continue to do that? Why would we not want to review what's at play here? So that brings us up to the idea, what could we do differently and what could we do better? So I proposed, and oh, wait, before I do this, let me pause and read to you exactly what the recommendation states. Okay, so we had a four-point recommendation plan, and we actually have two more that we included on our conclusions page, if you will. So when we got down to it, it basically states... And of course, look, there was not universal acclaim or support for this, uh, nor did I ever say there was, but after listening to them, I softened the language because they were upset. Investigate the feasibility and efficacy of an endorsing convention. Seems pretty simple, right? I mean, these are coming through a recommendation to the executive committee, which in case you don't know, that's the body that determines what we do in the Republican party of Collin County. So there were a list of uh, things beyond that, that just kind of talk about some of the added benefits, right? Now, somebody pointed out to me, a, a wise gentleman that I know that, well, there are downsides to this too, aren't there? I mean, certainly you need to include those or you need to realize that. Well, Yes and no. I expect that when we actually have a debate and discussion regarding this issue, that the people that oppose it will do that for me. Now, that being said, I have given it thought. I I know what the issues are. Yeah, when you have a convention, well-heeled people influence things. Well, let me tell you, that already happens. There are also um, other actions that can occur in the back room, quote unquote. Yeah, those happen too. But here's the, here's the bigger overarching issue at play here. Would you rather have 150 people basically approve something without any discussion, or would you rather have 300 to 450 people come in, have a long-term discussion and get to hear from all the candidates, get to hear about everything over four or five, six hours and do some voting on that. Which do you think is going to better represent? Well, in my mind, it's very simple. That's what you have a convention for. Now, let's back up just a second before we get in there. Notice I've talked about we're going to investigate whether it's effective or, let me get the word correct here, feasible. So, okay, what does that mean? Well, it may be that uh, there's not enough interest. There may be that um, it's too expensive. So now it's not really feasible. Now, what's the efficacy? Well, that means, is it something that we can functionally do? Does it make sense? Is it going to get us a net positive? I think those are all fair questions. But that's something that as an individual, I don't feel comfortable answering for 150 other people. But I do think that We could explore it. We could investigate it. We could see what the options are. So in fairness, and again, I want to give credit where credit is due. The wiser, older gentleman I spoke to said, well, Stephen, you have a very nonspecific 
definition there and really didn't give them any meat on the bones. And I responded, well, I kind of did that on purpose. I didn't want to project what I thought or maybe what I preferred on the situation because that might upset some people or it may actually turn them off because they've already come, they already believe that I've come to a conclusion how it must work. He says, that might be the case, but if you don't give them something to work with, if you don't cast a vision, they can't even wrap their head around it or they don't know what to think about it. Well, that's a fair counterpoint I hadn't considered. So this episode in the remaining, I don't know, 15 to 20 minutes here, I'm going to give you a breakdown of how this might work. Okay, now I know currently there are rules and bylaws that prevent this from occurring. So by necessity, if this recommendation would go through, we would have to get approval through a committee and then get approval from the executive committee. So there's at least two to three steps before any of this can occur. That being said, ideally, my mind, my thoughts, you create a you create a committee that's going to investigate this. They determine who gets to be delegates, what those delegates are going to do and vote on, and what, if any, official status does that confer? Okay. So, hypothetically speaking, once it goes through rules, once the rules gets changed, potentially, the committee that designs and holds the convention sets up the rules for the convention. Well, what does that mean? That means that we invite anybody and everybody that is a Republican or conservative to come and participate in the convention. Now, we get to determine who are the delegates. What are the requirements to be a delegate? So if you have been involved in Republican politics or even another party's politics, you know that precinct chairs are almost universally automatically delegates to the Senate District Convention. They turn in a list of approved delegates, people that they're vouching for, if you will, at their precinct convention. Those people are approved to show up at the Senate District Convention. Most of those people are grassroots or family or known people that are involved. So that would be the big pool we would start with that determines who the delegates are for a municipal election. And then they say, well, but what if we want to add other people? What if we want more people involved? That's fine. Maybe we set aside um, X amount of delegates for elected officials, X amount of delegates for specific clubs that are involved. Maybe maybe we give them five each. Maybe we give them two each. I, I don't know. A lot of these clubs have precinct members that are in their leadership. So maybe they feel like their concerns will be vetted out. If you're, if you're going to do a convention, you want to invite all the candidates. You want to invite all the, uh, invite all the clubs and all the PACs and all these different groups to get them involved. Why? One, it drives marketing. It drives interest. It gives each candidate an opportunity to speak to an organization, a group, or an individual that has money or time they want to donate to support that candidate. They wouldn't necessarily otherwise have that. It forces people to get started earlier, pretend particularly if we were to hold said convention in November the year before. If your election's in May and you start in November, that's six months of solid campaigning time with people that want to help you and money and marketing and a good campaign. It gives you a much better chance of running and winning over long-term incumbents. Now, here's, here's the other piece of the scenario. 
So if you limit the delegates and you control the delegates, you do have a lot of say over the outcome of whatever happens in that convention. Now, if you limit it too much, in other words, you just say, well, the only people that are going to be delegates are precinct chairs. Well, then there's really no point in having a convention now, is there? But if you handle it like a forum, i.e. you invite all the candidates in, you give them an opportunity to speak, you hear their merits, and oh, by the way, that candidate committee that everybody's so afraid of uh, not going away or not doing their job, yes, they're absolutely going to do their job. They're going to give their presentation and they're going to perhaps be even charge, put in charge of asking the questions of the candidates while they're at the convention. This is the forum function in our convention. The candidate committee's there. There were some outstanding questions. There's some clarification things they wanted to know. And they ask that. And then they give the report. Hey, we've listened to all these candidates that are running for this specific race. And this is how we would grade them. Now, to me, this is a major improvement over we've listened to the two or three candidates. And we told you this one is the only one that's any good. So you must support or disavow this person. No, I'd like to hear all two or three or four candidates running for a specific race and hear the relative merits and usefulness in a public forum. And I absolutely want that election committee, the candidate committee, I want them to tell us all about their report and grade them. Maybe even make that available at the time of the start of the convention. Maybe those candidates sell you on something. Well, maybe he's not 100% aligned with where I think, but he's got a lot more money. He's got a lot more charisma. Better to run him and win than run him or her and lose, even though they're marginally better on issues. Right? It doesn't matter whether we win or lose. It's whether we win. The Republican Party is irrelevant if we can't win. Your conservative principles are irrelevant if you don't win. How do you win? You bring other people in. You build the coalition. You maybe sacrifice the absolute, quote unquote, best, most pure candidate to a one that's slightly less pure, but actually has got a better chance of winning. Would you rather eliminate crazy leftist Democrats or would you rather run a perfect candidate that loses? I would rather get rid of the crazy leftist Democrat. Maybe you feel the same way. Maybe you don't. But you know what? You can't really do this. You can't build this up unless you're willing to have the discussion. So the executive committee is going to have a question put before them. Do we want to have a convention? If so, how do we want to utilize it? Who is going to be the delegates that we appoint to this? Well, again, my simplest solution is you start with people that were at the Senate district convention, you have a built-in constituency. Maybe there's 300 to 450 of them and you don't need to do anything more. Maybe you leave a special allocation. We're going to have, you know, 20 at large delegates that are appointed from either elected officials, existing elected officials in good standing. Maybe you have another 20 that are for the various packs and clubs that are for un otherwise uh, attached people, right? There's, there's plenty of packs and clubs that have people that aren't necessarily precinct chairs or maybe aren't super active in the precinct they live in, but they do other things. You know, people do have regular lives and full-time jobs where they can't be nearly as involved as you or I are. Do we want to cast them aside? Do we not want to listen to them? I suggest we do. What does that mean? That means the executive committee gets to determine, are we going to have a convention? If we're going to have a convention, who are our delegates? And then the most important thing, are we going to do any kind of nomination or endorsement out of this convention? 
Maybe they just want to say, this is our recommended candidate. Maybe they want to say, this is the endorsed candidate. Maybe they want to say, we have zero preference for the candidate. Perhaps we could set a threshold. Again, this is under full control of the executive committee. You must get 65% vote in order to be considered for an endorsement. Or make it higher, make it 80%. You have to have 80% buy-in from all delegates that are present in order to get endorsement. If you get between a 60 and an 80 or 55 and an 80, we're going to give you a recommendation. Now, if you you do your convention correctly, you ought to be able to be net positive some money. Because you can charge the candidates that want to participate, you can charge the clubs that want to participate, and you can charge the PACs that want to uh, participate, and heck, you can actually charge all the delegates five or 10 bucks each. Who cares? So you raise a few thousand dollars and when at the end of the day, you say, okay, well, the, the candidates that met the threshold to get an actual endorsement, we're going to give you 500 bucks. The convention is endorsing you and the convention is going to give you $500. I mean, it's not a heck of a lot of money, but in a lot of municipal races, that's not a small sum of money. It's a challenge going to the general coffers of the Republican Party and trying to explain to them why you need to take money and give it to a candidate whose sole responsibility is to raise money, build a team, and run for office. We say we want conservative principles. We say we want to do the right thing and people to be independent. But it seems to me that if you're using the crutch of the party, maybe you're not ready for prime time. Just saying. That's not to say that it couldn't be done in special circumstances. I mean, just this last time we had a runoff race and we justifiably wanted to add some money because we couldn't afford to lose the seats. Well, that's great. It was even better that the one of the incumbent candidates was so terrible, such a crazy leftist that she turned off a ton of voters and it gave us a landslide. That's great. But there's no guarantee that's going to always happen. But if we build our coalition, we get build excitement, we get people started earlier, and we raise a little money, and we have a combined marketing force coming out of said convention, that puts us in a much better situation. Now, I got to tell you, there were at least two individuals that I spoke to that were, let's just say members of the party. I won't, I won't go any further than that. They're members of the party, precinct chairs. They told me, Point blank, well, no, uh, I, want to, I want to back that, reel that back just a little bit. One was a little more direct than the other. But essentially, we don't trust the members of the executive committee, the precinct chairs, to make a determination of whether or not a convention would be a better option. We don't trust them. We don't think they're capable of making that decision. Really? Really? How does that work? You trust them to run the party. You trust them to endorse your chosen candidate, but you don't trust them to come up with maybe a better idea or a possible solution or, I don't know, a way that we could try something new. You're not going to trust them on that, but you are going to trust them on the other stuff. So which is it? And and I've talked to more than a few precinct chairs and they're kind of tired of being dismissed as being foolish, uneducated, incapable of making a decision. We're doing them no favors. Now, that being said, there are a number of new precinct chairs. They do need to be educated. They need to be brought up to speed. They need to understand the power that and the authority that they can wield. But we don't need to worry about 
process issues. We need to worry about principle issues. We hear time and time again about how the rules matter. You're absolutely right. Rules matter. They ensure that everybody gets heard and that the process is followed and that an outcome is brought about in a fair manner. But when you use the rules and you abuse the the rules to basically effectively shut everything down, I don't really see how that's any better than not using the rules. The rules are supposed to facilitate things getting done not be used to abuse what's getting done, not be used to prevent things from happening. They should not be an impediment to the work that needs to be done. But yes, absolutely. Rules are there for a reason. And those same rules would be utilized to set up how this proposed convention would play out and what exactly the authority we're going to delegate to the convention is. Rules are there to protect everybody, but rules can be changed for just this purpose. Now, look, if you oppose a convention, if you think that it's a bad idea, if you don't think that we want other people to influence or have a say in who our candidates are that represent the Republican Party, I get it. Come make your argument. Make your stand. Tell us why that won't work or why that's not better or why that's not a good idea. I would like to hear it. And I need something more than you just don't trust or you don't believe. It's a consensus. You're coming to a consensus of what's best. How do we win? And to have a temper tantrum because you didn't get your way is something that we tell toddlers to stop and expect better from high school students. How much worse is it when you're a 40 or 50 year old person and you're throwing a temper tantrum because something didn't go your way, which is essentially what we do when we abuse the rules to stop anything from happening. And again, as I said in the previous episode, both sides are guilty of doing this. And believe me, I believe there's more than two sides to this story. But if we can't have a discussion and we can't have a debate and we can't be honest with each other, we're never, ever going to win. Unless you doubt me, if you want to continue to waste time, I can assure you we can waste time. And along the way, we'll destroy everything that we've been trying to do. We'll destroy all the forward progress we've made. And how in the world is that a good thing? It's not. So embrace the idea that we should be willing to try something new. Look at a different idea. Be open and honest about the shortcomings of what we've done in the past. And consider if maybe this is an option, if maybe this might get us a better result. I mean, it seems to me that's far more effective than shutting things down and quite frankly, making stuff up about yours truly or belaboring false accusations upon me and other people. You know, I've said it once. I've said it a hundred times. My phone number is not that hard to find. And if you're listening to this and you've gotten this far in the episode, just in case you've forgotten it, it's 214-405-1852. Give me a call. Let me know. Why are you concerned about the convention? Why are you concerned about, I don't know, letting other people that are on our team speak on who our candidates ought to be? Why, why are you so afraid? It sounds rather irrational to me. If you want to win, you have to work in a way that allows you to win as opposed to continue to fight and destroy your own team.
And yes, I'm a little off topic now. <laughs> but again, just to recap, there is no convention unless the executive committee approves it. The executive committee gets to determine what the authority and who's invited to said convention. The executive committee also gets to determine whether or not there's an endorsement, a recommendation, a straw poll, or whatever else at said convention. The, the executive committee can set the rules for how long, who's invited. This is not that hard. It's just an irrational fear of something different. The convention works just fine for SD8. It works just fine at the state level. Now, look, I'll be the first to tell you, I don't like the way that the debate gets cut off because of convenient timescape issue. And that happens here locally too. But if we plan accordingly and we actually show up to have a legitimate, valid discussion and debate, I feel very confident we can come up with solutions. So let's quit playing games. Let's, let's quit attacking each other and let's focus on getting stuff done. Let's focus on making the party better. Let's focus on winning more races. Let's focus on how can we facilitate a conservative liberty-based future. The alternative is unfathomable. And with that, this has been According to Callus. Again, Convention Wisdom. Episode 474, thank you for joining me, and I will see you on the other side.